0: Shalom. Welcome to Sharing the Word. I'm your host, Dr. Driver. Today we're going to talk about communication. We're going to talk about why certain words should never come out of our mouth and why certain words should come out of our mouth. As we know, we're living in a a world of uh, being offended People are being offended or taking offense to people's comments or criticism. And then because of that, it leads to anger. So we have to start looking at why people are offended. And it's because of words that are coming out of people's mouths. So I want you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. In this section, what we're going to talk about is is why unwholesome talk should never come out of our mouth. Now, according to Ephesians 4, and I always find this you know, disturbing in, in some ways because I don't understand why people get offended as easily as they do. I mean, <clears throat> in the days of when I was growing up, and that's in the 60s, 70s, uh, we used to do what they call, you know, your mama's this, you know, those kind of playing the dozens, if you will. And we weren't taught how to um, not speak <clears throat> playing those dozens. Uh, we were just taught this is what you do when somebody says, well, your mama's so old that, you know, she needs, a you know. Whatever it would be. I don't want to start offending. See, even I get to my get to the point where I don't want to offend anybody. Um, but the whole point is we, we played the dozens. Everybody understands if I say we played the dozens. You say something, I'm going to say something. You know, your mom has big feet. She wears army boots or something to that effect. You know, well, your mom is so ugly that even a truck stop would, you, you know. So we have those kind of offended offensive words of, 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 the comebacks as they would call it playing the dozens in those days but then you go to today and we we find ourselves being to the point where you know we are now being taught how not to offend, but at the same time, we offend through social media. We we attack and ridicule and criticize through social media, uh, a false behind the barrier of, of media or internet uh, to be able to hide yourself to the point of uh, threats of intimidation coming back at you. But I learned that even if you were taught in your former life to be polite and, you know, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. That's not true. But we got to learn today, according to Ephesians 4, I'm going to take it apart a little bit and then I'm going to get into some specific verses. We were taught according to verse 22 with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. So yes, I could play the dozens today at the age that I am, but that's my, that would be my old nature taking control, where my new nature is not to be offended and to show love. So when when Paul says to the church, this is the rules of holy living, this is how you should live as children of light or children of, of holiness, it says that you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So what it's telling me in these verses is that even though growing up in a good, say, Christian home, I was raised Catholic, but still just say, good Christian home, we were taught to be kind and watch what we say to people. Even though that's my old nature, my old lifestyle, those are good attributes, good virtues to carry even into your new life. And this is what Paul is saying, because you put on Christ, you put on the new nature. So the old things that were good is now, I would say, enhanced or taken to another level because you're now being the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, to be able to show people that the things that you once said that were hurtful and unholy and ungodly no longer come out of your mouth. Because you're living in a righteous lifestyle, according to the word of God, because you are children of light. Therefore, I will not play the dirty dozens with you that I once did when I was a young kid. Was when I was a child, I talked like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things, according to 1 Corinthians. But Paul is really making sense for me, because I could tell you that there are times where the old sin nature wants to say, oh Yeah. And don't tell me you don't have those feelings. I I have those feelings once in a while. They come up once in a while, not all the time, but because of the Holy Spirit is reigning deeply inside me, it tells me you you are created in the image of Christ. Therefore, do not say those things because it does not please the Lord. So it goes on in verse 25, Where it says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we all are members of one body. Now, even though it's referring to the church body, the Christian body, we should always remember to be truthful. I always tell people speak direct to the point. Brevity is everything. Succinctness is everything. Transparency is everything. But in the world today that speaks with duality to a world that speaks with falsehood, to a world that speaks with, um, I would say, um, people-pleasing tactics, uh, it's very difficult to have a direct conversation. Most people, as you know, have seen it in church. Uh, you can tell, or you may have heard or seen, someone is going through a difficult time. And I, and, and it bothers me when I see this happen. Uh, and you go to that person and you say, hey, how you doing? And they say, "Oh, everything's fine. Well, that's falsehood. That's not truthfulness. It says we put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. Well, why don't you tell me? Because I know your husband lost a job or I know you're suffering from this, this problem. Why can't you just say truthfully what you're going through? Because as a body of Christ, we're all members of it. If you're affected with problems, it's going to affect the body. So why don't we just come together and work these issues out together? Maybe help carry the cross of Christ together. So when Paul's saying, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. So if one member of the body is hurting, it's weak, the other part of the body has to take up the slack. So I'm here to tell you, my friends, that if you know somebody's in pain, you know someone is going through a difficult time, if you approach that person and they tell you, oh, everything's fine, uh, be loving Be gentle and let them know you know, truthfully, that things are not fine. Society teaches you to say the platitudes of everything's fine and then dismiss the opportunities for engagement to help the person. No, just simply say, yeah, I am going through a difficult time. Can you pray for me? Can you lend me? Can you support me? But somehow we feel like that's going to be a burden to somebody. We're a body of Christ When one part of the body suffers, the body suffers. I got to be straight with this one. I'm just going to say, if you really want to upset me, I'll say, just say upset me. Uh, Even as a minister, it would bother me. It will upset me greatly. Is if I ask you, what can I do for you? And you say nothing, but deep down, you know, you need something that would bother me. That would upset me. And I think most of us are like that. So we want to learn to be truthful and not be false in our presentation because the Bible tells us that, okay? Now, verse 26 says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger while you are still angry. Now, one of the things that I find is, as we're still on the subject of communication, because this is important, just in this message, I already shared with you what would bother me. I'm being honest because I rather tell you, give you a preface of, give you a preface of what is a concern to me, so that when there is a communication, you don't go into the, the, uh, just say relationship of talking with me, unknown, ignorant, not aware of the boundaries, limitations, ramifications, implications of what the subject may be. You already know. You don't say certain things to certain people. Therefore, you don't say certain things to certain people. I get it. Um, But when you're angry about a subject, if you're angry about a situation, tell the person you're angry, but don't let your words that come out of your mouth lead you to sin. Don't let the anger of expressing your disappointment cause you to gossip, lie, slander, and so on. My hope is, when it says, in your anger, do not sin, we learn that sin is not just an outward manifestation of what we say or do. Anger can be with inside ourselves, which, which, you know how somebody holds their anger and they just bottle it up. And they damage their, say, their being, their temple of God, if you will, their body. They damage their mind, they damage everything about them internally while they're sinning because this is the temple of God. Most people don't think that way. Or because they're so angry, instead of saying, because they're in this this, this dynamic struggle, they hold their anger, and then they, they wrestle with it. They replay the issue in their mind and their spirit, and now they're gripped in bondage of resentment, criticalness, of anger, uh, which turns to wrath, and therefore there's then an explosion that comes out. You know, only can contain so much in a basket or so much in a, in a box before things just explode out. So the person kind of really implodes inside, but explodes on other people. So we have to remember anger is an emotion that can be released. Just Jesus was angry several times. He expressed it turned some tables over. He said some things, but he got it out, but he did not sin because Jesus is God. And therefore he did not sin. And he taught us, if your anger, call things out. One of the things in his anger or disappointment was when the Pharisees uh, brought forth Mary Magdalene and Jesus saw their falsehood, their duplicit nature, their hypocrisy. And he doodles on the ground, writes on the ground, and then he just stands and confronts them and says, he's without sin, cast the first stone. So we have to learn that in anger, disappointment, or frustration, to find ways to express it without sinning, and to be truthful and speak the word, be truthful and don't ramble, be truthful and make it clear that you're trying to bring people out of their bondage by bringing truth and light to the situation. Having two people angry and fired up over a situation is all emotional rantings. That doesn't glorify God. Now you're sinning. They're sinning. You're sinning. You add it to the fire. So Paul is going on and telling us that while you are still angry, don't let the sun go down. So there's a time period when to stay angry. There's a time period to get over it. And it's not easy to do. And I would say because of anger, whatever the topic is, that is why communicating to the party in which you're angry with or the subject in which you're angry about to get people involved to talk and help you through it is in, is very important so that your health and well-being is not compromised. By talking about something that angers you that's outside of your world, but it affects your world. When I say outside, like your home or whatever, but it's, it's affecting you. So I can say politics and the things that are going on politically affect me but I'm not directly involved in that political fight, but it's still affecting me, but I'm angry over it, then I'm going to talk to people that are going to help understand and and probably rationally, um, intellectually stimulate me to understand what I'm dealing with and then spiritually pray for me so I can get over it. That's the important piece of why you should never let the sun go down on anger. Because now you won't sleep. Now you get up the next morning and now another day is going to be wasted and another day. Put it to rest. Let God, whom God is, arise and let this issue be scattered, if you will. Okay? Let's move on to verse 28. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. So with this piece of this uh, subject, the subject um, actually comes to a point where you go, okay, if I'm going to live wholesome and godly, be children of light, communication is important. Everything that we say and do in society is important because it does relate to communication as we talked about anger. And now here it is, I have a need. And therefore, instead of just telling somebody what my need is, I'm going to steal from somebody. No, you don't steal. Stop the stealing. You don't believe somebody's going to help you, so you steal. You don't believe you have the means to get what you want, so you steal, lie, cheat. You do all those things. Communicate truthfully and honestly to whomever, especially as I just used the, the preface again. When I said, if you're in a church situation or around a bunch of Christians, I've been, I've been around a lot of Christians when somebody goes, hey, brother, how you doing? And and then you, and they go, is there anything I can do for you? And the minute you say, yeah, can I borrow 50 bucks? And all of a sudden you watch the, the person who just said, hey, can I do something for you? you go, huh? Well, because uh, well, they're not expecting that. What they're expecting is you say, oh, no, no, no. But they think with platitudes of uh, falsehood, by asking, can I do anything for you, that somehow that's pleasing God when it really isn't. So now the person has to come up with, Uh, a justification why he really can't give to the person who says they need something and the person who finally admits that he needs something, who's not going to get it from the person that just said, sure, I'll help you doesn't get it. Then they find ways to acquire it by ill gotten gain or by stealing or whatever they may have to do to get what they want. We have to be sensitive to the body of Christ. And if we're sensitive to the body of Christ, we have to be led by the Spirit to say, hey, what can I do for you? And I, I, I got I to gotta just put this out here. If you know somebody is struggling, they're struggling with their bills, they're struggling with paying their mortgage, they're struggling with feeding their family, do not, I'm going to give you a warning, a caution, do not go up to somebody and say, hey, how you doing, brother? Uh, Is there anything we could do for you? If you're going to say, is there anything we could do for you? Then you are committing yourself to be the solution to their problem. But if you are really not interested in being the solution, do not go to that person and say, hey, brother or sister, how you doing? Is there anything I can do for you? Because if you're going to say that, that means you must have an understanding of what possibly their needs are, not their wants, their needs. And you must be willing and ready to deliver what you have already spoken. Thank you for listening to another session with sharing the word. Join me again as we examine and open up the Bible on topics that affect the believer.